Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast, where today we are uncovering the blind spots of your organization. Please welcome Laura Whitaker of our very own ESP here in Athens, Georgia, as she discusses how innovation may just be the secret you need to get your organization to the next level. And with that, I will turn it over to our hosts, Josh Melton and Chad Brown. Welcome back, entrepreneurs, to the Stronger Business Podcast. We have a repeat podcast guest on today. This rarely happens, so that tells you this is somebody pretty special. We have a pretty strong message for you today. This podcast is going to be awesome. We're going to learn how to revamp your business. If you've been operating the same way for the past 35 years and know you've got to change to keep up with the times, to grow, to scale, this is the podcast for you today. And here to lead us is Laura Whitaker. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's welcome back. To welcome, welcome back yes. to the welcome podcast. Back. Welcome yeah. to the new podcast studio. It's a little different. It I is awesome in here. Yes, very cool. We keep trying to get better, get better yeah. with the podcast. That's so Chad made do. us a new sign back here. This is sponsored by Between You and Me. That's right. Right, I that sign. Uh, Laura, we got you back, and there's some awesome things happening with your company, with ESP, with Java Joy. you got like 14 other companies and subsidiaries <laughs> at this point, which is kind of crazy because that's not common, I don't think, in like the nonprofit sector. This may be our first like coast-to-coast guest. I mean, you got things on all ends of the spectrum, uh, all, all across over the, the place. U.S. Yeah, it's and you like, amazing. you know, like last time we talked to her, uh, we were at, like, the Java Joy idea was like, I guess starting to catch some steam and starting to do some things here. And I feel I feel like, Laura, now you have like an entrepreneurial incubator over there at ESP. There's like launching businesses left and right, and it's just amazing to watch all the things you're doing. So let's start there, Chad. By the way, Chad, is the he's now our like, expert he's the serial <laughs> cfo he's expert status i'm in good pro- company yeah professor uh, the professor yeah he's the, the professor, professor of taxes and hair we, care we decided, like dr chad we, we decided last episode that i'm tired of fighting with josh on this host role so like you just be the host you take it you want it so bad and you talk about it all the time like obviously it means something you take the host I'll be like the expert. I'm like the expert guest. So I'm going to get a little logo made, like a little Superman with an E in it, give me a little cape. So yeah. I got it all figured out. It's going to be so cool. In fact, I'm just, I'm living into the role so much already, Laura, that before the podcast today, I had Chad's assistant get me a cup of coffee. It was amazing. Yeah, true <laughs> so. story. Now he's tapping into my resources <laughs> for other businesses to serve him personally. Yeah, I'm going to go down there and do my taxes in a minute. Control. We got his makeup done before this. But, you know, talking about, before we dive into this thing, talking about, you know, expert and awesome at what you do. When we talked with you last time and just watching everything happening with ESP and everything you're going, it's like, my God, like Laura's got it figured out. Like I can never figure things out like she does. Like people are performing, there's volunteers, it's awesome. And now I hear, oh, you're revamping everything. I'm like, what? You've got it all figured out. Why would you revamp? So what made you want to revamp, feel the need to revamp, uh, lead us into a little bit of why there's a, there's a need to do things. Man, that's, really, that's a really good first expert question you just asked. Mm-hmm. That was great. That's that what I'm good. here for. I like that I'm earning my pay of zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's a great question. I mean, that's what serial entrepreneurs do, right? We look at uh-huh. what we're currently doing, and no matter who says it's successful in our mind, it's not, right? Like we're ready to kind of take it to the next level. And honestly, it was it was really kind of the COVID season. It did something to all of us. And I think during 
um, during that season and the year after, we really saw that, number one, our mission is so important. If we didn't know it before, we knew it then. If you have a child with a disability, no one else was knocking on your door. No one else was delivering food or medication mm-hmm. or Pediasure. Um, no one else was providing respite. We were it for the 700 families that we serve. And so that married with, we really had to figure out how to duplicate ourselves just here in our local community. So during summer camp, we had six different sites. And I kind of woke up mid-summer 2020 and I was like, I am driving 45 minutes to 45 minutes to all these local churches where ESP camp is being run. If we can do this 45 minutes apart from each other, why can't we do this in Tennessee? Why can't we do this in Texas? Why can't, why do families have 10, 15, 20 families a year move to our community just for ESP? What if that didn't have to be the case? What if we could go to these other places and provide transformative experiences for people with disabilities and their families? And we know that changes the entire community for the better. And so it was really then that it planted the seed. We always had people say, can you bring ESP to, you know, Antarctica and we're like no there's no way we don't have the University of Georgia and we can't do it um but COVID really helped us to see like we can and we we we're starting to build the systems and processes that we need to do that so fast forward and um I'm looking at how we've always operated and I'm realizing that if we want to stay in the Athens area and just serve the families we want to serve the operating system is perfect right? It's a very people-centric organization. Nothing's broken. Nothing's broken. But if I'm going to manage a Rome manager or a Savannah manager or a Chattanooga manager over this next year, we don't have the processes and procedures in order to make sure that the same ESP that somebody experiences when they walk through the doors at 189 VFW Drive is the same exact experience that they're going to get in Nashville, Tennessee. We didn't have it. And um, and more than that, how do I manage people that are outside of my building? We're such a people-focused, some you know, check-in, check-out, team-focused, in, in the same building together, team-building. So what does it look like for, for us to manage and have somebody a part of our team that lives three hours away or 10 hours away or um, in a different time zone? And so that was really the moment that as a board – as a leadership team that we really decided like, okay, we got to either stay the course and continue just to serve our community, or we've got to be open to serving other communities and change the way we operate. And that's how we got going. That makes sense. So, all right, you decided, okay, we got to change some things up if we want to grow and scale, especially remotely and other places, figure out how to replicate some things we're doing on a scalable model. You, how did you start the process of, what system are you going to use? What are you going to follow? How did you make that selection? Sure. So, I mean, something that I always do, and I think I talked about this on the on the podcast last time, mentorship is such a huge part of who I am, and it's a part of my DNA. And starting as executive director when I was 19, it just it built a habit of surrounding myself with people that are much brighter, much smarter, much more of an expert than I am. And um, and so one of those people actually handed me a book. And this was um, a year before we were even ready, like before the light bulb went off in my head on how we needed to move forward. She handed me this book and she said, I want you to read this. And it was right before I went on a sabbatical. And um, 
And she said, don't read this on your sabbatical. Just read it before your sabbatical, and then you can think about it. And the book is called Rocket Fuel. And the premise of it is that, you know, there's a very small percentage in the world that are visionaries, and there's an even smaller percentage of the world that are integrators. And um, when found, when these two people find each other, um, they're, they're a remarkable pair in actually moving a business forward in a way that they've never been able to move. And um, so she hands me this book, and I've never felt so seen. <laughs> it was like a trip to the dentist or the trip to the, you guys won't understand this, but the gynecologist or something. I'm literally reading this book, and it's talking about the visionary. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's me. And I've had to be the integrator. You serve yeah. as the integrator to For grow like and build. 15 and years. For yeah. 15 You're years. You're serving in both capacities. Yes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know that I could have this. And imagine what could happen. And imagine the lifelong, I mean, I, I saw myself all of a sudden being at ESP for five more years or 10 more years if I could figure out a way to be yes. the V because I was tired. Um, and so shortly after that, I um, right before I went on my sabbatical, I handed the book to one of my team members who in my mind, I had thought about it, I had prayed about it for a couple of weeks, but every time I had read the I in Rocket Fuel, the integrator, every time Ashley, um, my then director of development, popped in my head. And she thinks, functions, operates in systems and processes. And um, she had kind of expressed that she saw herself in a different role, but I didn't understand which role. So I hand her the book before I go on sabbatical. I said, read this and take some notes. And I get back from sabbatical, and she sets up a meeting with me. And she's like, Laura, I want to show you a job description I wrote for myself before I wrote read Rocket Fuel. And then I want to talk to you about the integrator. The job description she had written was literally almost verbatim the integrator role as her <laughs> dream role. Her not knowing that that was even a job. Um, and then she read Rocket Fuel. She said she cried multiple times, as did I. And was like, I've never been so seen. I didn't understand. She had felt this pressure that she would be my predecessor. And I think that was very difficult for her, as was for me, in the sense that she, her and I have very opposite gifts and abilities. She was trying to force herself into the visionary role, just like you had forced yourself in the integrator role. And I'll be honest so with you, Laura. I don't, I don't know anybody out there that wants to step into your shoes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean. Uh, it's like coaching after Steve Spurrier. You're yeah, destined I'm to fail. Telling you, man, no matter how much you yeah. put that visor on it, you're not going to be able to throw it the same way as old I Steve. I don't know about that. But, but what a gift, right? If you started a business or you are the founder of a business or an organization, it's always so hard. And I've had this conversation with so many business owners and so many executive directors. It's like, okay, I, I know I'm not quite ready to leave. Um, but the organization may need something different or I'm tired of doing what, I'm all, what I've always been doing or the business has grown and it needs something different. So instead of having to transition out, what if you could to transition into a job that was more meant for your skill sets? Because a lot of founders and executive directors are the V um, in, in the VI structure. And so um, it really was the perfect, the perfect entryway for us and I couldn't get it out of my head. I knew it was the right thing for us, and um, and Ashley did as well. So it was about a year that we marinated on it, that we talked to board members about it. A few of our board members actually went through the EOS um, integration process. And um, this last fall, so August 
2021 is when we started the full EOS integration process. All right. And just to update the listener. So this comes from a book called Traction by Gina Wickman. Uh, Rocket Fuel is is the book written basically. It's like, hey, if the guy that you might not read Traction if you're a visionary because it's too thick, but here's Rocket Fuel. And it sounds like visionaries <laughs> get excited about it because they're like, oh, okay, I want to I want to launch something. Let's do this. That's right. And so um, <laughs> as we're talking about this, so it says that the, the great organizations will have two people kind of at the helm of leadership. You're going to have a visionary that's saying, here's where we're going. And then you're going to have an integrator, which is kind of driving like steering the thing, right? And it's, all right, this is where the vision's taking us, so I'll drive the car. I can get us there. I'll make sure we got the gas that we need. I'll make sure we got the GPS. And so it's not, again, the visionary trying to do the vision and coming down and being the nitty-gritty, let's make sure everything's going, because oftentimes the skill set, the one person doesn't possess both skill sets. There might be some unique people out there. So the visionary and also the integrator as the people leading an organization. You, for 15-ish years, were doing basically both. You're like the top seat, and you're responsible for both things, which is pretty common in smaller organizations because maybe, you, maybe you're not there yet. And so if you can string it out long enough, you know, like where you can get big enough, you can start putting people in different positions. you got a chance at this. But this comes from the book Traction. Again, the V in the eyes, visionary. And then the integrator and a lot of organizations are moving over to this EOS entrepreneur operating system. So jumping back in, you guys make the decision in August, we're going to start implementing EOS. Even your like job title changed and stuff. Like y'all had some like kind of massive changes. Yeah. And so walk us through once you decide, like you see, which by the way, I think, did you go on your sabbatical like right after the I think podcast? It was right after the last podcast. I think you were getting ready. Yeah, you were like, when it was like a couple time. weeks or something. Yeah. It was like yeah. you were I remember close. talking about like we have. I, I'm scared and excited to know what's going to come out of this. Like, and yeah. you were the one that told me to surf, and I learned to surf while I was yes. there. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. yes, and it was awesome. amazing. I, I went to Hawaii and I learned to surf, and it was it's amazing. Hard. It's hard, but I, I loved it. Yeah. See, yeah. even a year ago, he was already yeah. giving the expert yeah. advice. We that's hadn't right. even called him the expert. That's yet. right. This role was meant right. for me. If you guys yeah. want to, hey, if you want to go on a sabbatical, call but, Chad. I'll give you some good advice. Before we dive into to your question there, and you talk more about that that revamp and that change, I'll, I'm curious why as entrepreneurs, as executive directors, as business owners, why do we why do we spend 20 freaking years serving both roles and just grinding and gritting it out? Because that's that's me. Like I just figured out I, I honestly always thought I was an integrator. And mm-hmm. then reading and learning some of these things, I'm like, oh my God, I'm definitely way more visionary. I just force myself to crank it out and get it done. But and and now that I have this knowledge of like the light bulb over the last year of learning some of these things, I see that's why so many people like just bail on their business or they bail and start mm-hmm. consulting or they sell their business. So they're like, I can't, I do not want to do this for the next 10 years. I, I don't have the energy. But why do we, why have we gone 20 years of doing this? What, what's, is it, do we feel like we got to grind as leaders and business owners to prove our, if we're not working 50 hours a week in it, we're not earning our role, or what is it with that? Yeah, I don't, you know, it's it's a really interesting question. And I think for me personally, it was like, oh, well, you know, this is, this is what I've always done, and I've built this, so I've got to stay committed to it, you know? And it's this idea that, and then it got so big that I really couldn't do it. And it was, it's a, it's an identity crisis, right? Yeah, it definitely is. An it's an identity yeah. crisis, and it takes a, a huge ounce of humility to recognize that while I could run ESP successfully and well five years ago, I may not be able to do that alone now. 
And that is, you know, as business leaders and we're at the top of our organizations, I think it has a lot to do with taking Mm -hmm. a step back and looking at who we are and our identity and that we may need partnership. And V&I is all about partnership. I mean, at the end of the day at the leadership table, it's Ashley who has the final say, not me. Oh really? Yeah, because because that's what yes. traction teaches. It says the, that when it comes down so to you, got to be okay with your decisions you getting okay. like overrode and vetoed. Okay. And I'm actually loving it. Like I think pre sabbatical, last time I was here, I think I would have in 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 idea loved it, but I think I would have sat in the leadership t- room and been like, oh, wait a second, but no. you don't know. That's that. a good idea, but this but is what we're on. doing. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great, but let me look at the organizational yeah. flowchart again. Maybe next Still at the top year. Right right here. Yes, exactly. So the way it works is behind closed doors, the V is really managing the I, right? The, yeah. the visionary does lead, and on the org chart, you know, my title, you asked about titles, CEO, COO, not your traditional CEO and COO, right? Like what, what, but no one understands visionary and integrator, not many people at least. So we went ahead with the more traditional titles, but all that to say, when we're in a leadership team meeting or a staff meeting with our 35 staff, Ashley says something, she makes a decision. I support her. Like it, even if I disagree, she is the number one internally. She is the number one. Um, And so that I think to your point being in a place in your career for me, 17 years in, I was ready for that, you know, but mm-hmm. I really have had to evaluate if I really was ready. So I got a question for you. Yeah. I'm actually got two questions for you, but the first one is, it's more tangible because of the visionaries that are out there, people that recognize, I think I'm a visionary that are uncomfortable on the treadmill or in their car right now. Cause they're like, Oh, I got to give up decision-making. If you wanted to fire Ashley, you could do it. Yeah. Still organizationally. That's right. So what you're doing is saying, me and Ashley are clear. Again, behind closed doors, she and our meeting, we're, we're treating this as a partnership. And we are unified in what the mission and vision of the organization is. So therefore, in a meeting, I know we're on the same page. I can submit to her leadership in a meeting and, and let her call the shots. Yeah. Because a, a, a great leader anyway should, I mean, gosh, I would hope that we would feel strong enough in our leadership ability to feel like, we could allow somebody on our team to make the final call on something. Yeah. So anyway, so just putting it for yes. visionaries that are freaking out. Yes. Get, don't trip on the treadmill. You, if, if your integrator is running away with it, you can you can still pull the reins back. It's just for the purpose of you're, you're basically delegating the execution of the mission to this person. So therefore, you don't want to be undermining their leadership by overstepping in a meeting. Actually, Ashley, we're not going to do it that way. And you're the, undermining the, your culture of leadership. The key point that you have there is you're talking about trust, right? Yes. And so, yeah. you know, typically this process takes 24 months. What's different for ESP is that my integrator came from within mm. and we already had this cadence oh, of trust yes. and, and um, you know, organizational knowledge and all of that. And so when you go out to hire an integrator, you know, they say statistically, I think 3% of professionals are actually an integrator, which is a lower percentage than even a visionary. It's really much easier to say I'm a visionary. It's much harder to find an integrator. Yeah. And so if you can find a good integrator and then you have the process of lear- letting them learn the business and if you've built it, I mean, that's a, a lot of institutional knowledge that you are giving over to that person, and then they're making decisions. So that really, that two-year process is there because of that very reason that you're saying you've got to build the trust 
that when that when you walk out of the doors, you know, we have this red light and we meet back in her office and we're, we're like, unless something, the building's on fire or someone's died, no one interrupts our meetings. It is sacred time for us. When we walk out of those doors, Ashley's in charge and we're on the same page and we talk at least two or three times a day to stay on the same page since yeah. we're early in on it. Um, so the logistics of how that works, yeah. to give me a better understanding, behind closed doors, when we use that term, it's you and Ashley, just the two of you. Then when you're at a management team meeting or a leadership meeting, she makes the decision. Do you all, you, yeah. you two discuss we and agree? We plan the leadership disagree. meetings. Okay. That's right. Hold on all a right. second, Chad. Because he's asking you, you're answering him honestly, but what he's asking you is like, hey, Laura, you still get to be in complete control and be the puppet master, No, right? no, 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 no. He's I, trying to what puppet I master his people is right now. If the visionary and integrator disagree, obviously I have to talk mm-hmm. through it. You have to weigh the pros and cons. Yeah. Does that happen like with just the two of you, or does that happen in a management team of five people? I'll, I'll give you the prime example because it happened this morning. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. so we were yeah. in. Real, this is real, like the real stuff. stuff here, yeah. Um, but, okay, this is a great example. So this morning we're in, you know, we're building this Miracle League project, uh-huh. right? It's a fully accessible baseball field, playground, all of that. We're in the crux of it. Our opening day is going to be mid-May. Um, and we get this email that someone on the team had put um, an order in of signage, okay? And typically all signage, anything outward-facing brand-related comes through me. And most people in our organization know that. <laughs> that is an organizational assumption that people do not want to order a large sign order without LHW's sign of approval. Okay, just for their own sake. I mean, can we just real quick talk about what happens? <laughs> Sounds if, like, yeah, yes. you don't cross that line. Don't cross that line. Branding, <laughs> all of that. Okay, so this person who is new puts this order in. I'm even scared oh, wait, wait, wait. right now. Who is I'm, new or who was new? Who, they are new. They're still with the organization? <laughs> they, they are still with the okay, organization okay. as of today and as will be because they handled it beautifully. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> But we get the email, and we Ashley and I are both in this meeting, and she sees that I am reading the email, and she looks across, and I'm like, what in the world? May have been an extra word in her. And, adjectives um, are such beautiful things. You can add an adjective. To, yes, I can. I, yes. And so um, she, she just, like, looks at me, and she's like, you know, she puts her hand down. She's like, it's going to be okay. Um, and so the manager of that person was in the meeting and I looked at him and I'm like, this person should not have put the order through. Duh, duh, duh. I said specifically to this person, don't put the order through until I see it. He ordered the wrong signs. I'll just say that. <laughs> and I knew that was going to happen unless it went through me. Shocker. Yeah. So, um, so I tell, you know, tell him he needs to talk to his employee and, and Ashley and I had our one-on-one right after. And so we sit down and I could tell she was upset and I thought she was upset with me. And so we sit down at the table, and did, I'm just did going. Did you think she was upset with you for I taking thought, charge? No, like, no, no. I thought she was on my side. Yeah, she was upset. Because I thought she was upset, upset as well. Yeah. Upset with you. Wow. Okay, hey, okay, that, gotcha. That, that, she I was upset she was on my like, side. Yeah, we're about to be like okay. together. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're yeah, about we to sit down. Can you believe that? Like, can you believe? <laughs> so we sit down, and, and I'm, just, I'm just going at it. You know, I'm like, I, I told him three times, you know. And she looks at me, and she, I mean, she's just, like, fired up. And she's like... Tell me what, tell me what process, where is it written down where that person knew that they had to go to you to get approval? Oh, oh, 
<laughs> and what are the things they need to get approval on? Is it a T-shirt? Is it a hat? Or is it signage? Is it not signage? Is it is it is it all the things? You know, is that a good use of your time? You know, and and she's like, well, where is it? Where is it written down? And I was like. It's just an assumption. Everyone everybody knows, knows that. And she's like, no, down. we have new staff members now. Not everybody's <laughs> gonna know. And guess what? Rome is not gonna know, and Savannah's not gonna know. And I was like, and, and I just had to like, and we were just, <laughs> deep, you know, yeah, we were about to get breath. at it. Hey, Laura, how did you feel when she said all that? Oh my gosh, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I was still upset about the situation. She's like, I don't shred that freaking rocket fuel book. <laughs> <laughs> get my hands on it. <laughs> But I thought, you know what? She's right. You know, she is right. And if you would have heard the conversation, there was tension on both sides, right? But she's like, you're right. Right now, you do need to be the person. We don't have that person right now to approve. You need to be the person. But we actually have to tell our people that you are the person that approves those things. They don't know that. And if if we've never told them, they don't know it. And so um, that was a really healthy kind of balance it's so cool power. that she spoke that too, right? Because yeah, you know, she's as willing Lee to get leader, mad and stand up on the other end of that. Yeah, so like, important because it makes your organization better. That she was willing to, I say, stand up Man, to. That's, that's not the right hard. word, but be honest, right? Say, hey, yeah. actually, Laura, we don't have the protocol set up for that. Like our staff may not know it because they're new. Like, does it make sense for you to do this long term? All those are phenomenal questions to make your organization better. Yeah. But I think for a lot of us, there no one would be brave enough to pose those questions to us, especially not in a heated moment. But again, as you mentioned, trust. Yes. And blind spots. Like, can we talk about that? The fact that like every leader has blind spots. And oftentimes if you're at the top of the organization, there is no one to tell you that you have those blind spots. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's difficult for you to know. And so that VI relationship is so healthy because one of the things we have in our list when we meet twice a week, it's what blind spots do I have? And we ask each other the same question. And we, again, we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum here. Laura, I tell you, me and Chad have the same type of conversation. <laughs> But his blind spot is he's not a good listener, and he just won't hear it when I tell it to him. Uh-oh. Every time I say you're not a good listener, he's it's listening. It's getting real, somewhere real else mentally, and he's just not paying any attention. I just can't listen to an hour conversation about <laughs> extra, nothing. You got like nine spot. seconds. I got nine like, seconds. I'm off to like nine. I'm like, Chad, I just don't feel like you give me the time to communicate no, I will my point. Say, say this, this his res- blind spot is that he has a blind spot. This <laughs> resonates with me tremendously because at, at different times uh, – my team can feel like they got to walk around on eggshells. I don't have things written down, but I'm like, you should know. Like, they're like, did I do good because I handled something on my own or I took responsibility or, or did I cross the line and handle something like that I shouldn't have handled? And so for me, taking the time to have those things written down and to do that, I've started to recognize how big of a deal that is because it's uh, historically hasn't, hasn't been done. And your my team kind of walks around on eggshells like, is he yeah. happy? Is he gonna be happy about this? Is he gonna be pissed about this? Yeah, like, yeah and that's the thing, you know, Javert Chad and I. We've talked about really for probably the last two years, in regards to like his role with his entities, is that piece of it. It's saying like, look, man, you're really you're more of the visionary, and like you need a people buffer, and from an integrator standpoint, you need somebody else to like be the direct leader of people one on one. Take the time for them. I use biblical example of like he's like the Apostle Paul. He's like driven and making stuff yeah. happen, and he needs the Barnabas to like ask those yep. types of questions like and, and so it's interesting to see that and again i think for him he would have seen himself more so like no nah, i just get things i get things done i'm the integrator and it's like you get things done but you're 
You're really yeah. a visionary. Yeah, Wake we get things started in the past. Yeah, the past yeah. we get things started, right? Yeah. And Absolutely. it doesn't always it doesn't always sustain no. um, behind us. It's like we're paving the way, but then somebody's behind us, kind of yeah. picking up all the pieces. And um, and yeah, I think that's what's beautiful about this relationship is I get to you know we talk a lot about ability at ESP and really knowing what your abilities are and what you bring to the table and who you were made to be and living out your best version of yourself with the abilities that, that God has given you, whether that's someone with labeled with a disability or whether that's a college student that volunteers with us or one of our full-time team members or a board member. But this process has really helped me to see, okay, what are my top five abilities that I can bring to the most important person in the organization? And that's the organization. Like, the organization will always trump Laura Whitaker or Ashley or another staff member. And so um, what can I bring to the table? And the visionary role is beginning, and I'll say beginning because it is a process and we're ta- it's taking time to allow me to, to have my – to start things, mm-hmm. to yeah. look at things through a branding eye, to speak on behalf of the organization – to meet with our top donors, all of those things are the things that I love doing because I do them well. And that's where I can best serve ESP. And meanwhile, Ashley, her top five things is organizing and holding people accountable and putting systems and processes together and troubleshooting. All of those things um, are her best abilities that she's bringing to the table. And so it really you know, it is an identity crisis because it's saying I can't do everything, right? But I'm going to spend time prioritizing the things that I know I can do really well. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting, too, as leaders, and I think this goes into that identity crisis that we oftentimes have as our organization and start to grow a little bit, is we like having a grip and having control of things, right? And so sometimes we don't really understand what our true capacity is. And when we start feeling like we're bumping up against it, it's, it's kind of scary. Like, I don't know how much more I can hold together. But I also don't know if I start handing stuff off, if, if, if we'll be able to hold it together. And so there's this tension that's there. So I got a question for you. This is, I'm asking you to be vulnerable on this one. So again, last podcast was right before the sabbatical. And you said, you're like, hey, I was, I was tired doing both of those roles. Yeah. How close were you to move to transition into something different? Very. Mm-hmm. I felt that too. I felt mm-hmm. like you were about to go off on speaking, coaching, kind of doing the Laura Whitaker brand of thing. And so has this changed like the next the future of you and ESP and your role yeah and that's really part of what I was going and searching for in my sabbatical which I'll just put a plug to any business leader I really believe except taking Josh. time except, alone. Josh. Yeah. except for Josh well the key okay so here's the key I've been on sabbatical for three years now Lawrence. right it's been amazing well the key is it's not a vacation <laughs> yes. and there, there's a very big difference between a sabbatical and a vacation it's like not going with your wife to some... vacation I serve sabbatical I serve right, yeah. well there you yes I had never learned to surf, so it was a new thing for me. But I'll say, you know, one of the things I was searching for in that process was like, and I never actually wanted to go to Hawaii. That's a story within itself. I may have told you guys I ended up there for a very odd reason. It was supposed to be for my sister's 30th birthday, and that got canceled because of COVID. So I just went anyway. Um. (laughs) All that to say, when I was in Hawaii... your sister was thrilled. (laughs) Yeah, she's still... Hey, I'm still going to Hawaii for your 30th birthday. She's still super thrilled. She still has yet to be there two years later. i got to bring her eventually. Um, All that to say, the whole time I was there, I met these amazing people. Have you been? I had, Okay. I went uh, 
three years ago. Okay. Yeah. I haven't been to Hawaii, but I've gone to Myrtle Beach a couple of times. I'm pretty <laughs> it's sure it's about, about the, same. the same thing. It's pretty much <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. What's crazy about Hawaii is I don't know if you met these people, but everywhere I went, people who grew up there all went to what they call the mainland here and realized I want to move back. And they all moved back when they realized what they had, right? And then there's so many people that were there that experienced Hawaii and packed up their bags. I mean, my boat captain literally was a successful um, in the in the um, stock market um, in New York, went on a boat in Hawaii for vacation, called a mover from Hawaii, packed up all of his things and mailed them to him. And he never yes. went back. Sounds like a Jimmy Buffett song. Yes. Love that. And so I'm sitting there kind of at the end of my trip and um, kind of replaying all these conversations that I had had, trying to decide, okay, what is next for me? I'm tired and maybe ESP. I wanted to be open to the fact that ESP might need somebody different, right? It wasn't just about me. And um, the conversations just replayed over and over and over again. It was like, you know what? All these people who had experienced and grown up in Hawaii – left because they thought they were supposed to leave and realize what they had Mm. and they just wanted to come back and i think that's what would happen to me i think i'd leave for the sake of leaving and realize i had everything i needed right where i was and that was kind of my big aha moment and um i'll say you know it wasn't right then that i necessarily felt energized i think sabbatical was a big part of that and the self-reflection but this process is has re-energized me in oh, yeah. knowing that I will eventually get to do what I feel like God is calling me to do, which is to grow what we have here into into other places. So, so. you're number two. I guess at the time, Ashley was kind of your number two still. Yeah, somewhere in amongst the, a few others. Top, yeah, the top tier of your organization. How close to leaving was Ashley? Because she, again, she's like, oh, there's a pressure for me, the predecessor of Laura, and I'm not. I don't, I don't have the same. You know, we probably have some similar gifts, but she's definitely gifted over here. And I'm more gifted over here. That's a lot of pressure. And in not knowing, yeah. was she starting to feel, or do you, or do you know? Good question, host. I think she was really close to leaving. Yeah. I mean, considering she had written a job description for herself that was like, listen, <laughs> if I can't do this other yeah. job, I'm out. I think she saw the current role that she was in, director of development. You know, she had grown up within the organization as a master's student and, um, really kind of had a couple different roles and she saw, you know, my brain is more operational and, um, and she had lots of questions about HR and finance and all of that. And, um, so I think she, I think within the year she would have left. Okay. Had I asked that not. question too, because while you're on sabbatical, Chad interviewed her. He found out you're gone <laughs> oh, for a month. He's I see like, how it is. It's hey, fine. He I, said I, she's going to be a podcast guest. But I did a job interview. We never released it. So I do have a question about, I'm, I actually met Ashley at, Big hearts. I think it's the first time I've ever met her. Um, but I do have a question about her because I'm curious. I'm thinking about like inside of my organization, like just the dynamics and things. So you're obviously really amazing with people and with staff. Is she gifted in the people side or is her gifts in the like organization, systems, processes? Um, does that role... I'm trying to figure out, does the integrator have to be really great with people to manage people and to do this, or is that a separate skill set that the, the visionary can hold? 
That's a great question. I don't know for every organization. I think to be at ESP, you have to be somewhat of a people person. Sure. Based by the nature oh, of what we organization. do. Yeah. It, we are all based on relationships. So I think, you know, she really thrived in that. But I'll, I'll say, you know, she is definitely internally a process over people person. Okay. And I think that's where the balance um, is really beautiful. Similarly, she was pushing herself in the people position because she had to. Meanwhile, with all of these questions and her brain and her the wheels going in her brain about, well, what about this process? And we haven't documented this. And what about this person? And how does this affect Rome? And how does this affect Atlanta? And um, and so, yes, I would say she's people over process. I'm, or she's process over people, and I am people over process, which – is a good which marriage. is so cool too because of the story you told us earlier you're like i'm upset with this person because i told them not to do something they did it anyway they violated the really they violated their relationship and then ashley's saying the process isn't wasn't in check like oh, that yeah. wasn't right mm-hmm. and, exactly and she's bothered right. by the fact that hey we had this person do something and like whether they this whether this specific instance the person knew they shouldn't have done it or not she's like we don't have a system in place for that that's right and so she's feeling that like pain and again the kind of the again, the perfect tension that's there is that we can see both sides and then therefore we can make the right solution. All right, well, we need to do this moving forward. We need to make the process and then we obviously got to communicate it to the people because if they don't know, you can't hold them to it if they don't know about it. So I love those things. And it's interesting too, as I asked those two questions about like, hey, how close were you leaving? How close was she to leaving? Because if you're burnt out as a leader, whether you are the top dog leader of the organization or whether you're a leader in the organization, like, Justin does a talk about clearing your cash. It's like sometimes you just got to be able to like take a drive 30 minutes in the country or go on a run or whatever it is. And as we're talking, I'm like, sometimes the, the clearing your cash needs to be like, it needs to be bigger based on how much running and gunning you've been doing. You needed a month off in Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. Now, like my staff asked for a month off in Hawaii. I'll probably be like, you're not quite there yet, buddy. Um, how about a, how about a weekend in Gainesville? You know? <laughs> you know? But no, is it, is that if you are getting to that spot of being like, burn out um those that are following behind you are going to feel some tension because they're going to see the fragile nature of where you're at and gosh you got to get away sometimes just to be able to especially as a visionary clarify like okay where are we going next like walk a mile see a mile like you got to be able to take a break in that mile like walk a mile then see a mile like stop for a second and see where we going next so you get this month off and you're not doing any type of work. You learn how to surf, as Chad will never not stop taking credit for oh, at this yeah, point forward. I wish he would have said that. Should. We'll edit that out of the podcast. Um, host- an invoice for surf lesson. <laughs> <laughs> what an air, but it was my idea. Yeah. This surf lesson brought to you great by the serial CFO. It's like royalties. Yeah, kind of like read my book. You realize at a certain point, either while you're on the sabbatical or after you've come back, like in order for us to go where we need to go, our organization has to change. Yeah. And so you start making decisions based on moving in that direction. And you're in the process. I mean, you're right in the middle of these things now. Mm-hmm. So your position, title changes, your responsibilities somewhat shift. Ashley gets you know, a step up in organization. Her duties shift as well. And you start rolling out this culture chain. Hey, we're doing things different now, guys. ESP. Walk us through that. Because every guy, every, every person knows if you there's certain times in business where it's like, what got us here won't get us there. And so we either got to be real comfortable with where here is. And just try to hold it together, or if I'm gonna get anywhere further than this, we gotta make some system changes. We gotta make, we gotta, you know, we gotta make some big changes. You guys are making huge changes. Can you walk us through this is what we've done and this is what it's felt like? This yeah. is what we've experienced in the last however many months it's been, six to eight months. Yeah. I and love this question because it is, it, it is, it has sounded really great. 
thus far in the podcast, but it has been the hardest thing that we have ever <laughs> experienced. Um, and as a leader, you know, you're, you're kind of like, you know, I'm an innovator and that's part of our, our core values of who we are. And with innovation, you make mistakes sometimes and you fail. And a lot of this process has been like, listen, we haven't done some things well and we need to change the way that we're doing. And we maybe didn't hire as well as we should have, or there might be some people part of the team that won't be a part of the team. And um, Did you know that? I knew that. You already knew it. You're yeah. like, in order for us to get there, that person can't either can't be here or can't be in that position anymore. Yeah. I think one of the smartest things that we did that we didn't know that we were doing is in August before we actually, so EOS has a, a thing called a scorecard, which you know, you meet about, you talk about it every week. It's, it changes every 90 days. They work on a 90 day calendar, which I think is brilliant. Um, we started our version of that before EOS and it was just key performance indicators, KPIs. And during that process, we kind of figured out and it, you know, it was a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that some people just knew they were not going to go in that direction, you know? Um, and some people would just check in and be really great people focused individuals but the tasks and knowing they were going to be held to and held accountable to certain goals and they would get paid according to that and they would get raises according to that and their contract had their kpis in them that was kind of the first step for us and you know listen we we want to become more flexible we want to have have cities throughout the united states that have esp so we've got to measure something right we can't just measure good faith that you're working really hard in Austin, Texas. You know, we've got to be able to measure something. Did y'all previously have those types of metrics in place? No, we had goals each year and we met, you know, every three months with, um, with our staff members, but I would say they weren't, um, they weren't cohesive and they weren't organizational wide. Okay. Every KPI was, um, linked to one of our four strategic goals. So, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty, and people set their own KPIs with their, their supervisor, but it was a different, if it was a different way to operate. So that those couple months where it was like, oh, it's so fun at a staff retreat to write a KPI. And then the first time people sat down with them and measured them on their KPIs and how well they were succeeding. That was really the first kind of, ten, you mentioned the word tension earlier. And I, I just really love that word because I think that tension is is those moments that are really stretching the organization and depending on how you lead in and how you teach in the tension is really the marker of how um, people will grow within your organization. There's a lot of tension during that time and um, we lost some people during that time. So did you have to, as a leader, did you have to dangle this reward or this carrot to encourage like, hey, I need y'all to start doing all these things. And if you do, this is what the company will look like. Or if you do, you're going to get make way more money. What was the – how do you cast a vision to make where it's okay to go through all this change and for people to go through the hardest thing they've ever been through at their job? Yeah. So for for me, it was, it was um, really two things. So first of all, we can't necessarily dangle cash in the same way a lot of people can. <laughs> right. Um, and so I did two things. One, there was a lot of like pre-wiring that happened prior to this, but being able to show our future organizational chart um, really helped people to see upward mobility in a way that they couldn't before. 
So okay. they knew. So you just showed your staff, here's the ladder, here are the rungs, here, when maybe before they go. couldn't see that. Exactly. Okay. Here And here are all the empty spots. And if you want to get there, this is how you get there. This is the direction that we're headed. Did we're you communicate headed. this, like at a meeting? Mm-hmm. So could you see some of the eyes coming alive and some people oh, yeah. fading? Oh, yeah. And we just did a full round of it. Um, EOS calls it state of the company. And you do them every 90 days. You do a new state of the company and you let people know because it's an entrepreneurial operating system, you're moving quickly. And so there's kind of this line in the sand where you say like, okay, this is where we're at. This is where we've come from. This is the feedback we've gotten. This is what we're going to do with the feedback. And here's where we're going. And so we threw up um, that org chart and um, and people could immediately see, okay, I want to move there. I want to move there. Um, and then the second thing was, was really help them understand how powerful our mission is here um, and how much of a need there is. They see it every day, but helping them to understand how much of a need there is in other parts of the state and other parts of the country and that they can be a part of making that happen. Um, and so without a process, we can't, we can't scale and grow. There's not a, there's an 18 year old in Augusta, Georgia with Down syndrome that deserves to be a joyrista one day. And because of you and your processes and your procedures that you're doing here in Athens, Georgia, you can make that happen for a family who never thought their son would have a job for an 18 year old who never thought that they could be a part of an ESP community. And you're making that happen by a small process you're putting together for Java Joy. So those were kind of the two things, like making it mission focused, but also we're at the end of the day, we're all human and we want to know, am I going to get to move up? Am I going to get paid more? What's, you know, where am I headed in the organization? What does it mean for me? And um, I think really being like transparent about that and, and throwing out the opportunity was a big part of the people that have now hopped into jobs they never thought were possible because of because of that new org chart. So two questions for you on this. You're given this vision casting meeting. And again, I think a lot of leaders can see like the light's fading in that person's eyes and this person's got a spark in their eyes that wasn't there five minutes ago. Did you go and did you actually have a conversation after the meeting? Did you make any predictions? I guess is the question. You're like, hey, I think this person's on their way out. I think this person is truly inspired now. That's question one, and you can roll into this as question two, is with this increased vision and the structure that has to go along with being able to execute it, did your organization lose flexibility? Mm-hmm. And is, did that cause some people to leave because they enjoyed the fun of what you've done and the cause, but when they added more like, hey, here's your KPIs now, we got to hit your numbers, that some people were like, I don't want that type of pressure. Yes, yes, um, yes to both of those. I mean, I think... Um, we lost some people I didn't predict for sure. Okay. Um, and I think what that was is, you know, back to the tension. It's really easy to talk about EOS and read the book, but some people can't handle the middle part where it's like they know the goodness that it will be a year from now, but they can't they can't hang on mm-hmm. until you get there. And it's hard and it's messy and it, we're going to mess up and we're going to fail and then we're going to get better and then we're going to evaluate that and we're going to make it even better. That part of it I wasn't prepared for. It's easy for me and it was easy for Ashley to kind of say, okay, this is where we're going to go September 1 and it's going to be real messy 
in the middle of that and it's going to be hard and we're going to have to work our tails off. I mean, I've never worked as hard as I worked in January of 2022. Um, never. Not even when it was just me by myself. I've never worked That's that hard. Something. My word. And I've never cried as much as I cried. And I've never like said I was going to quit. And um, my poor, <laughs> gracious, amazing husband who helped me together many a nights. Um, it's messy in the middle and the tension part, right? Like you stretch a rubber band and it's, it's, it stays, that tension stays there for a while until it's completely stretched out. And we're still stretching out to what I call ESP 4.0. We're like in the middle of, we're at 3.5 and we're not at 4.0 yet. And there were people that couldn't hang on until 4.0. And that was the hard part. So, so the people, so you mentioned like seeing people like definitely like in the very first meeting of the unveiling, like just going just physically their, their expression going the other direction and you see people through this change like this isn't going to be a good fit they're not adapting they're not changing with us as a leader do you I guess I see three options at that point either you apply a little more pressure mm-hmm. to speed up the process either you have a conversation and let them go or either you just let it play out o- over time and, and they make the decision on their own. What did you do in at, at, in those moments where you knew you could clearly see this person is not going to change? I'll tell you exactly what she it. did. She said, hey, Ashley, I don't think that person's going to make it. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out. Congrats, COO. Get ready for that. I need an Ashley. I'll tell that whole you. Like, interview an Ashley thing, I'm thinking more and more uh. about that. Yeah. <laughs> That actually has been a really beautiful part of this process. Not that I gave it over to her, but that I had a partner to to figure that out. You didn't have all that pressure 100% on Laura with Yes. I finally had somebody that was making the decisions with me. And in 17 years, I've never had that. Man, that's an amazing feeling, isn't it? Was was there a third wheel in this thing that felt like they got left out was it was oh, were yeah. you and Ashley the top mm-hmm. two yeah, already had, or were there you Ashley and somebody else and you're like oh, I pick Ashley to be my integrator that's a, I think everyone in the organization knew it okay. was okay. Ashley so it was and a, really you know and and some of her peers tapered off for various reasons um you know one of them went to run a business and he actually doesn't fit into the context of this conversation because he didn't leave because of EOS he left because Okay. Of a family business. But he wasn't jaded like, I should have been the integrator. No, like, I no, should have been the no. number one with Laura No, actually, they're great friends. Okay. So I, it really was, and thankfully, it worked out that way. But I was willing, I'll say, I was willing to lose some of her peers in order to for her to be the right one. And I think you have to be... You have to be willing, but but to answer your question, I did all three of those things. Um, there mm-hmm. were, mm-hmm. you know, and and again in the process, there is a, a thing called a people analyzer mm-hmm. tool, oh, yeah. and you figure out do people have the capacity, do they have the talent. Um, so you could fully committed to everything every EOS. Yeah. Like you're like I'm Get not going to leave this capacity. people analyzer every, part out because I'm capacity. doing like, I'm going to do it all. I don't implement EOS. I think yes. So I mean, it is a full-on commitment i'm an all-in kind of person not just i'm gonna grab a little piece of it and ashley's not letting me not be that's the beautiful thing she's like my first mistake was hiring ashley for this thing now we got to fully implement all the processes she's doing i'm wondering like all right should we just implement like phase one of eos and worry about this other stuff later once which i think is okay i mean one of the things i was going to share is that like you know, it's great to, to follow something like EOS because it gives you the guy. And, and listen, you read the statistics, 
companies are successful if they move towards EOS. It is mm-hmm. just, it's hard to ignore the statistics about when a business transitions, um, what the outcomes are. So there, so that's there. But I think there's so many principles within it that even if you don't go full EOS, there those principles are fundamental for any business leader. And, you know, it, in any operating system, right? And they they call them EOS. There are certain words or phrases, and there's lots of different great operating systems out there. But if you're a business leader, particularly of a small business or a medium-sized business, they say that 10 to 100 employees is really the magic number for EOS. That's really where EOS comes in and thrives is in that 10 to 100 um, employee range. So I think it's great if people read it and say like, oh, you know, I'm going to try. Now, what I wouldn't say is to try to do the VI without any of the tools, because I don't think, I think it's frustrating for the implementer if they don't have the tools and the processes to actually implement. Oh, yeah. Right? Their position that being said, too, as you mentioned, and they, it says in traction, is like, look, it's here's a, it's a two-year window kind of to get mm-hmm. running on this. Yep. Some people do it faster. Some people it takes longer. Yep. It's just kind of like an, giving you some level of expectation that this isn't a 24 day you switch the operating system of your company think about this for a second too remember like old school computers you're gonna you're gonna download even now if i'm gonna update my uh whatever it's called from the iphone the software it's like all right your phone's gonna be down for two hours or whatever it is you know it takes time to implement a new software and when you're, it's organizationally when you're dealing with people that's talking about dealing with a computer or a smartphone with people and like learning the processes we're gonna be much slower to change to adapt yes. to that so it's gonna yes. take some time and recognizing i think that, again that's the messy middle part of it hey this is where we're going this is where we're going to be by the way we're not going to be there tomorrow yeah we're not gonna lights yeah. on you know it's like no we got to roll through this process and it's going to take some pain i'm going to ask you a leadership and visionary question because this is where i struggle a lot again all three of us sitting here we would say like we all lean more toward the visionary side i left my integrator side broke when I was born or something. I think was, I had a twin <laughs> and they didn't make it whatever. Um, where I struggle, Laura, and I think this is, again, even as you're talking and why I can ask the question about seeing the lights fade with some people, is that the awesome thing about being a visionary is that you can see a vision. You see, oh, I see where we can go. Well, the challenging thing is that how do you communicate that vision when mm-hmm. as a visionary you see further than your people? Yeah. You're saying this is where we're going. And what I've tried to figure out is like, okay, I see where we're going, but no one else will see that and no one will believe me. Yep. And so if I'm going, let's say 100 yards, is it, is it 70 yards you need to talk about? This is where we're going? Because I know that's the pivot point. That's the next thing I'm going to grab on the rock wall. It's like when you're running and you're tricking yourself. Let's, let's, I'm going to run to that stop sign. Like, you know, you're trying to run five miles, but you're like going 100 yards at a time. Yeah. It's a mailbox now. Like, yeah. you know, how do you, when you're even talking about this EOS process and implementing it, communicate as a leader and as a visionary? Did you minimize your vision at all for where you're ultimately seeing you're going so that your mm-hmm. team could believe it? Or did mm-hmm. you give them like, nope, promised land, baby, milk and honey, all the stuff? It's a great question. Where did you go with it? Um, you know, I've learned over the years that I tend to um, cast visions too quickly. Okay. And um, it's it tends to be the way that I get people fired up to do things. But... I mean, case in point, I wanted this Miracle League project to like be done in a year. And here we are like four years in and we're finally finishing it. So I've learned a lot in in my days doing this. But I'll say um, 
you know, my mentor always talks about where, you know, often as leaders, there is the empty canvas and we can see the painting mm. before we even get going. We see, we see what brushes we need. We see what colors we need. We see the painting. We may not know exactly how we're going to get there, but we see that painting. And oftentimes our people have, they can't see it at all. All they see is they look at us and they see a blank canvas. They cannot see it. And so it's my job as the leader to go in front of them and not just show them the picture, but to paint the picture in front of them and paint it again and paint it again and paint it again and paint it again. So they not just, they can't just see the the final picture. They've got to see like the middle part as well. Um, and, and what's beautiful about the process that we have gone through is that right now we are in the middle of a one year, three year, 10 year plan. So for me, what gets me pumped up is the 10 year plan, right? Like that's like, that's where we're going. That's where I want, that's the ESP I'm going to be proud of in 10 years. Not so pumped about the one year, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, but what it does is the one year, which is like the completion of EOS and, Um, Some of these smaller goals and objectives, it helps people to see the full painting and how to get there. And I think we as leaders have to constantly repaint so that people can actually see the picture. So which one are you spending your time talking about more? Three. One. One one and three. Okay. So you're Mm -hmm. like sprinkling in occasionally maybe the 10 year yeah. here's where we're going ultimately let me talk about the three-year plan because yeah. you recognize that they can actually probably see this yes most then, people can only really conceptualize what's going to happen with them in the next three years yeah mm-hmm. which again blessing and a curse for visionary you can see yeah. further down the road what what could be and believing that it should be but those that you leave probably aren't going to catch that they're probably not going to be able to see it and for so two things with that you have to be able to consistently talk about a dream that you're not as passionate about because it's a benchmark for you yeah. But for the other, for your team, it's like, no, that's the ultimate destination. And so you're like, oh, man, I'm excited about 10 years, but I got to be like passionate about the three-year picture when I really want to talk about the 10-year picture. Yeah. So they can catch up to it. So the blessing and curse of visionary is it's that also, you can see it, but you know that your team can't quite see it. So you got to yeah. dial it down a notch sometimes. I think um, where we are just as as our in our nation, too, is we're really scared to make decisions for the next one year or three years, right? We've gotten in this habit of like, oh, I make a plan and it doesn't work out. And so I think in business, that's the same. But as leaders, we haven't necessarily changed, particularly if we're visionaries, right? Like we keep kind of casting this vision of 10 years, 10 years, 10 years, and people are sitting there in their minds and they're going, yeah, but what about the next COVID? What about the next just trying to get through war? The next year. What about yeah. inflation? What about X, Y, and Z? And so as a visionary, putting myself as an employee in my company, I have to recognize that's that's real and relevant right now. People can really only see and believe and only want to think about the next year of their life or the next three years of their life because they don't know what's coming next. They don't know if they're going to have to shut down the world for the next year. They don't know. And, and we've the world has kind of conditioned us to that. So I think that piece of it in terms of being relevant as a leader is really important. That word is so good, relevant. Because again, if you're talking 10 years, even though if, even if you believe you can get there, your team can't identify with it. It's not relevant because it's like, we don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not supposed to wear a mask and I can leave the house. All the right. things, is there a war? Is inflation? Right. Can I afford the gas? All the things, you're right. So yeah, so as a good leader and visionary, like, well, it's not about me. 
Yeah. It's about my team and motivating them to take the steps they need to take so that we can serve the most. And so I got to camp out at 90 days and the camp out at a year and talk about that nonstop. And I got to choose to be excited about it so they can be excited about That's it. That's right. And then I just be like, peace, Ashley, makes this stuff happen. You gotta, we got to find an Ashley. That's we got to find an Ashley. <laughs> Don't my, take my her. Ashley, still, if you're listening, uh, there's a lot of money on the table. I wouldn't do, do that to you. What y'all, what y'all do is more important than what we do. <laughs> no, it is. It is awesome <laughs> what you do, Laura. I mean, I mean, that's the cool thing, again, for your organization and for you guys to continue to expand your influence is that you're making a tremendous difference in the lives of, of many. And it's just seeing the – I mean, we've had a chance to be front row – to have front row seats yeah. for Chad and myself mm-hmm. to watch this over the years and see it can t- – t- the compound effect take place. Yeah. And it's just been a really cool thing. And when I say compound effect, you get excited because that goes in the numbers, Chad. So the expert numbers, all that stuff. So I got something I'm dying to know. Like I'm, I'm sitting here running through all these things through my head, thinking and applying a lot of it to some of the struggles I have. As a visionary – when you're going through this EOS process, and it's like you said, it's the hardest thing you've ever been through. It's hard on the staff. It's just tremendously challenging because there's so much change. Well, as visionaries, I feel like we're okay with change. We mm-hmm. somewhat thrive off change. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love changing, mm-hmm. and I'm okay if 50% of it doesn't even come close to working. And I change yeah. again. When you're implementing new seats and scorecards and metrics and we're going to do this and we're going to use software and we're going to use processes, obviously a lot of those things are not going to work and it's two steps forward and one step, backward, one step backwards. How do you either make every, help everybody be okay with change or how do you like pull the reins on yourself so you're not constantly changing things every day or every week to, to make it better or to mm-hmm. adapt that? What's that dynamic? That's a great question. Uh, ask me in a couple months when things are <laughs> not I'm as wor- new. Because I'm worried I'm running everybody off with change. Right. I'm like, here's what we're going to do. This is going right. to be awesome. And like four right. days later, I'm like, scrap that. That sucked. We're right. going to do something different. Right. And I, you know, I think that is part of it. A lot of it is normalizing it. So we have talked about, I mean, innovation every day is one of our core value statements. And we've talked about good failure. And so being able to, for me as a leader, to be like, yeah, this thing didn't work, so we're trying something different. It normalizes the this didn't work and it's going to change again. And some people don't like innovation every day. And if they don't, by the way, EOS says you shouldn't hire them unless they fit your seven core value statements. That's That's part of the process. So part of our interview process is like, listen, we're innovation every day. And we're not a nonprofit that's going to be stale or do the same thing every day. We're going to change, which means sometimes we're going to fail, which means you will fail. And you are going to mess up. Are you okay with that? And are you okay admitting that you have failed? Um, So I haven't always been vocal about that, but I would say the last year I've gotten better and better at vocalizing that we're going to innovate and we're going to change. It's also interesting because at the end of the day, we are all human and we all want to know what's in it for us. And so I think if people can really see that the change is in it for them, and it's in it for their community, they're willing to change and grow. So it's interesting. Some of my people that are really resistant to change were the most vocal about things we needed to change. (laughs) And so I, you know, I, and some of them didn't tell me until, you know, their supervisor left. And, you know, and I, once I heard all of their complaints about the company, I went and sat down with them and said, when have I ever been resistant to change? Hmm. I need you to tell me these things so that we can get better. So we can take ESP 3.5 to ESP 4.0. I need you to be honest 
about the things we need to change and grow within the organization. And I'm up for it. Like, let's make it better every day. Um, So I think when people can see that it benefits them, that the change is going to benefit them and their complaints and their whatever, um, they're really more susceptible to change than they realize. That's good too. And again, going into to the EOS language and attraction, it's the, the right people, right seats conversation, yes. right? So you're saying, yeah. hey, they, if they're the right person, then they're going to be able to handle us making changes to get to our mission faster, to get yeah. better at it. I would say too, one of the things that maybe slows down the change that a visionary, if we're all visionaries, would naturally go in and implement and make, hey, we're going to do this. It, having an integrator that, that is more process oriented is going to say, hey, that if, again, behind closed doors, before you're out visionarying to everyone on your team, talking to an integrator who's going to say, okay, well, look, okay, what does that look like if we choose to do that? Here's where the processes have to change, blah, blah, blah. It actually probably says sometimes like, okay, that's actually not a good idea. It requires too much change. It disrupts us too much. We can't do it. So having that person in place is a great buffer from us, like snatching the wheel. My team's like, well, give me criticism, right? Sometimes you snatch the wheel. I'm like, well, y'all need to drive better. Yeah. (laughs) And using humor, I've used it a few times with our staff, with Ashley. You know, I'll make up really crazy things that I wanted to do. And I'm like, but Ashley said no, so we can't do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And and what that does is it builds credibility with her that, like, she has the best interest at heart. And just because Laura says that we're going to do something doesn't mean that we're going to go and do it. You know what I mean? And so that whiplash effect that we've had in the past of, like, we're going to go do this and now we're going to yeah. go do this and now we're going to go do this for people that aren't as susceptible to that as I am. I think that's so fun. That's probably why you and I both love surfing. It's like, yeah. you know, you, you, one minute you're like down for the count. The next minute you're up on the board, then <laughs> down for the count. But, um, you know, she's kind of that middle person that's helping kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's a balance to it, right? It keeps you from like, as you said, slinging your idea out too fast. Yeah. It's like, makes you like quantify it. Yeah. I tell my team now, I'm like, look, cause I'm not snatching the wheel. I'm asleep at the wheel. When you wake up, you just grab it and you snatch yeah, the thing. This is what yeah. happens. True uh, all right. This is, and by the way, true visionary, visionary fashion too. We said, hey, we'll go to this time, Lauren. We totally lied to you. It was going to take longer to get to where we wanted to get than what we actually said. But we do want to land the plane. Chad loves when I say that. God, I say what I want to say, bro. Um, um, that's my goal before next week. I don't come up with something else for you to say. What's difficult We've been for me, Laura, for 90 episodes. With the, land the parachute. With, is the, with the challenging thing for me is I have to be the visionary Sail the boat, do something and the integrator know. for this podcast. I just I don't know what – I just made him the expert. What is expert? Whatever. <laughs> we land the plane, Chad, with a max out moment. And the whole idea here, again, is for our listener to get stronger in their career and their leadership and their business – if you could only give them one piece of advice to take away and to kind of chew on, what would that piece of advice be? I think I would say ask someone within your business or maybe within your home if you have to what your blind spots are. Um, we all have them. It's a normal thing. Um, but it has been really um, humbling, beautiful, Um, relieving for me to ask that question regularly within my organization and genuinely ask it, what do other people see that I do not see in myself? What are the stories I'm telling myself that are different than the stories that other people are saying about me? What do I think about myself that people don't think? I mean, I have stories I told myself about employees 15 years ago that is very different from the way my employees view me now, right? Mm -hmm. But I have that story and that narrative in my head. And so asking that question has really helped me, I think, 
not only with the transition and change, not only to give up some of the responsibility, um, but I think it's helped me as a wife. I think it's helped me as a mom. I think it's helped me to be more comfortable with knowing that I'm, I do have blind spots and I'll always have them. So I'd rather know about them. Um, so I think, yeah, ask somebody what your blind spots are and be willing to listen. I got a follow-up question for you on this one. Okay. Do you ask your husband that? I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's the tough. It's it's the closer someone is to you. Sometimes it can be the tougher to hear that. <laughs> the blind spot is sometimes totally. you do X Y Z. Totally. That's awesome though. And you don't and you don't ask the question, "Do I have blind spots?" Okay. You ask the question, "What are my <laughs> blind spots?" And there's a big difference yeah. in that that's question, right? No, you're, yeah. There's a Perfect. very big difference because that <laughs> insinuates we all have them, right? So tell them to me. And my husband's normal answer is like, "I don't know. Let me think about it." And then he'll come and tell oh, me. Man, your husband's. A, we'll get a game on the podcast. He's that's amazing. Wisdom. He is amazing at that. But <laughs> yes, and normally what's beautiful is he sees things from all different perspectives. So as I talk through a lot of the ESP business side of things with him, I'm like, "All right, I want you to tell me what I don't see." Tell me what I don't see. What am I not seeing in this situation? And he typically can say, tell me the opposite of what I'm seeing, which is really, really helpful. But what an opportunity to ask that question. You know, it's really a gift to ask the question and for us to become better leaders because of it. And we've all got them. We've all got the blind spots. And I would assume you'd probably say when someone gives you the answer to that question, listen. Listen and say thank you. Yes. Don't. Yeah. Rebut it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chad, very good point. <laughs> I'm not talking to me right now, Chad. I'm talking to you. No, it really, yeah. it, you, it'd be easy to defend yourself. You're like, well, I don't yeah. want to second, but it, you got to be able Actually, to Actually, the it. first time you ask the question is the most important time you ask the question because they're probably not going to have much to say, but they're going to say something in a very roundabout way, and they're going to test uh. you to see how well you Ooh. can respond so to So you're it. not going to get the real answer. Great advice. Yeah. So you're going to get the shallow get the blind spot answer. on the first answer. Yep, that's right. Oh, that's good. You're gonna, they got to make sure that you're trustworthy to receive. That's right. Ooh. And how you respond is how well they'll work, they'll answer the question the next time. That's really good. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. All right, Chad. Advice. Dude, you're the expert counselor. You get the, you get the last word on this thing, man. I'm going to delegate. Man, I, I've got so many pages of notes and so many just quotes and items and nuggets of wisdom. I, this has been amazing. I, I've learned a tremendous amount. I am excited and petrified to continue with the U.S. process. (laughs) We're like two months in, and I'm like, oh, my God, what have we done? But I see, like, I'm already already seeing where this can take us, and I'm I'm also seeing the little pieces we implementing along the way. When it works, it builds trust and credibility among the team, so they're more willing to follow you and be willing to change. So. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's Thank been awesome. I've learned a tremendous amount. You're always just performing at such a high level in everything you do, and y'all do over at ESP and Java Joy. And just thank you for spending your time with us and sharing with our audience. Well, thanks for letting me share about ESP. And really, you know, I'm here. We have a lot of people to serve. And so the more I can spread our mission, that's why I'm here. That's why I have to do better. That's why I have to lead my team as we've got some – amazing human beings who deserve the opportunity to to benefit from ESP. So it's a it's a big calling and a big responsibility, but I'm thankful to be able to spread the word and thankful to you guys for having me today. So where do, how do people find more, out more about ESP, about you, about the Miracle League? Sh- share with us where to go. Yeah. So our website is ESPUandMe, all spelled out, dot org, ESPUandMe.org. Um, you can find me. I, I have a website, LaraHopeWhitaker.com. You can find me on Instagram at LaraHopeWhitaker. Go 
check this out, what's going on, the lives that are being changed, the fun that's being had, plug into it. It will change your life. I encourage everybody out there listening, go right now and check it out. You won't regret it. Thank you so much. Awesome. It's been fun. If you enjoyed this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast, then leave us a review and share it with a friend. You can find us online at strongerbusiness.com or check us out on Instagram or Facebook at Stronger Business. We look forward to hearing from you and have a great 2022. Rolls from her. Got your marching order down. Isn't it so funny? Like you rise up in the organization, and, and then the other people tell you what people, to do. You, yeah. Like you become somebody. It's else's. happening more often. I now love it than so ever. much. I'm I like, do too. Y'all just point me in a direction. Oh, like same. tell me, tell me. Same. I need to be pointed. Uh-huh. So I'm a dancing it. monkey, man. You I just you reach it. a play the music, baby. point in your career where you're like, I'm so happy to let things go and just tell me. I'm so tired of telling telling everybody else what to do. Please, somebody tell me what to do. Exactly.